Welcome, and thank you for streaming this sermon. At Heritage Baptist Church, we believe that the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus can truly change lives. So it is our hope and prayer that this service stirs up your affection for Christ and helps you to draw closer to Him. For more information, please visit hbchazlett.org. singing. I love it. It excites me as the choir director and music director uh, and appreciate that from the Jones family and uh, we are so glad they're here and uh, blessing and song. What a great song. I love that song. Just a great scriptural song. Uh, tonight we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. We'll see how long I make it. If I pass out up here, slide me to the side. Brother Faisal, you're in charge. That just means pray and dismiss them. That's all they really want. They won't even pray over me. Probably after this, I won't make it out of here until these essential oil people start splashing me with it and anointing me with oil. Uh, careful now, I'm just kidding. We have them at our house too. My wife will douse me when I get home. And uh, uh, Anyway, I appreciate uh, you being in service tonight. I commend you for being here. Tonight, we're just going to look at this very thought, the grieving of the Holy Spirit, the grieving of the Holy Spirit. It is found in Ephesians chapter 4 in the end of the chapter there. And in chapter 4, and we'll look at verse 30 through 32 and really kind of look and see what that is. Two things, or really three things that are discussed in the Bible is the quenching of the Holy Spirit by the Christian and the grieving of the Holy Spirit. And then the lost people reject the Holy Spirit uh, when He comes and He, he woos them and uh, they reject the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And so we're, we're going to look at what the ministry of the Holy Spirit is uh, and see what it is to grieve Him, to grieve the Holy Spirit. And I, I, I would say this in the beginning, that as a parent, I believe we understand probably more about the grieving of the Holy Spirit as parents. It, it grieves us when our kids do not do what we want them to do, uh, when they go a different way or, or something like that. But we don't stop loving them, right? Uh, we, they're still our kids. And uh, sometimes they, they swerve and they, they go a different route or they do things on a certain day that would grieve you as a parent. And uh, you, you say, I, I know in my mom's life there was a lot of nights I could hear her weeping in her bedroom because of uh, usually my brother. Uh, so it was usually him, so I'm giving him the credit for it. And he would testify to that. Um, but I could hear my mother grieving. And I saw my mother grieve over the times and uh, my brother had swerved in his life and uh, my brother didn't get saved until he was in his 30s. And so seeing that grief in my mom's life over my brother not being obedient, not being uh, the son that she had raised him to be. And so I, I know even in my life, having three kids, is that my kids are not perfect. Uh, and so I, there's been nights me and mama sat in the bed and cried and weeped over our kids making mistakes and, and sin or whatever it may be or just plain disobedience. It's just, uh, I remember... There was a lot of nights with Brody. He's not in here, so there was a lot of nights with him. He was stubborn, still is to a certain degree, but, uh, you know, you, you grieve as a parent. So can you imagine that somebody who loves you desperately, that lives inside of you and knows your potential, knows what God can do with your life, and when we don't do that, that we grieve him uh, in not doing it. And so we'll look at that tonight. Verse 30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit, of God, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice. Verse 32 says, 
And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as for God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Uh, that verse 32 sticks out in my mind because we made our kids memorize that verse. Um, quote it back to us uh, when they wasn't doing right or wasn't being kind one to another. And so every time I read that verse, I just can't help but to chuckle when Shelby and Brady would go at it. Come here. Be ye kind one for another. You know, just as kids quoting that verse. So I love that verse. But I, I want us to think about just just the thought of the grieving of the Holy Spirit. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? And I think tonight that the Lord will show us some things to these scriptures in a brief moment. Father, we love you. Thank you for the night, God. And uh, Lord, I do pray you be my voice. And Father, I pray that you would just give me just a span of time that I could, uh, Lord, portray your message to your people. And Father, I just pray that you would just give us all clarity of thought and mind. And Lord, help us to be open-hearted tonight, that we would really be honest with ourselves that Lord, if we are grieving your Holy Spirit, I pray, God, tonight that we just get right and, Lord, we get our life straightened tonight. And, Lord, help me. I know I need this just as much as anybody. And so, Lord, use us tonight. And, God, we're going to give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's look again and let's just think about what is the, the duty of the Holy Spirit. I, I believe it's fourfold. And I give these to you as an introduction. But I believe, number one, he came as the comforter of the believer. He came to comfort the believer. And uh, Jesus told us, he said, if I go away, another comforter will come. And that comforter is the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but in the world we live in, in the turmoil world that we live in, we need a comforter. We need somebody to remind us every day that it is okay, that it's going to be okay. And just kind of to have, have his hands on our shoulders and in our heart every day, just letting us know that he is our comforter. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if you have... I don't, let me rephrase that. It doesn't matter if you have any family or not. When you face certain times, you need somebody that is a Godhead to comfort you in those times. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. I believe, number two, He comes to convict of sin. He comes to convict us of sin. We would not have known sin unless the law, there was a law, but somebody had to reveal that to us. And the Holy Spirit convicts us of that. I've always said this, is that if you have a pacemaker, you have... Uh, whatever there's 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 some that are pacers and some that are uh, that'll shock you and those are fun to watch other people get shot but not you uh, but it realizes that pacemaker realizes when your heart is out of a out of a rhythm and when your heart's out of that sinus rhythm that you're supposed to have it recognizes that it's out of rhythm whether it's too fast or whether it's too slow and it'll send a jolt to your heart to get it going back right the holy spirit does the same thing in our life he convicts us of of sin before we're saved but after after we're saved he also convicts us of sin you ever do something and you just go oh that's the holy spirit and uh, he's being that pacemaker in your life and, and reminding you uh, that that's not what you should be doing. Number three, we see that he conveys truth. The Bible tells us that he illuminates the scripture for us. How in the world could we read a holy word without a holy God showing us what it says? And so with our human eyes, we could study and read the Bible and you can gain some knowledge, you can gain some things, but you would not gain the truth that you could gain through the Holy Spirit conveying that truth to you. Uh, anybody like me, you read your Bible through, and I don't know how many times i read my Bible through, but there's sometimes I read my Bible through, and, and, and a verse I've read a thousand times just kind of goes, wow, why is that? Because number one, it's a living word. I'm glad that it's not a novel. I'm glad it's not a, a, a whatever else you want to say. That It is a living word that you can read it every day of your life and get something new. Why? Because of that Holy Spirit that lives within me and you. And He's conveying truth to us. 
That's awesome. And then I believe the last thing, and there's a few other things, but I'm just giving you the big things, the mountain peaks there. Uh, number four is that he conceals the believer. Hallelujah. You say, what does that mean? He seals us until the day of redemption. We read it right here. The Holy Spirit has sealed us until the day of redemption. Just like back in the Bible days, if they were trying to send a letter to a king, that they would take that letter, they would fold it over, and there's a few different ways that they would do it. But one of the ways that you, me and you are probably familiar with, they would seal it with a wax uh, stamp or a wax seal. The only person that had the ability, should be, to open that was when it got to the king, or if the, vice versa. If the king was sending it to someone else, is that he would stamp it with his ring, let them know that it was an official letter. And listen, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians tells us, until when? Until the king of kings opens us up and brings us into his presence. And so I believe that is the, the general ministry of the Holy Spirit. John Phillips said this, he said, grief is a love word. I had to read on. You cannot grieve someone who does not love you. You can agitate. <laughs> you can get on their nerves. But you cannot grieve them. And that's what I'm saying to you tonight. That it, Unless you're a parent, you don't understand it probably sometimes. Is, is that, that grief that, that maybe a child or maybe a husband or wife uh, can bring. And uh, If you're married, you probably know it also. But here's what Spurgeon said. Let me read this to you. Uh, two, two things that Spurgeon said. I want to share these because they're amazing. If I said it, people would get mad at me, but Spurgeon was smarter than I am. I think I now see the Spirit of God grieving when you are sitting down to read a novel and there's a Bible unread. You have no time for prayer, but the Spirit sees you are very active about worldly things. And having many hours to spare for relaxation and amusement... And then he is grieved because he sees that you love worldly things, or yeah, worldly things better than you love him. He also said this. He said the Holy Spirit's grief is not a pity or oversensitive nature. He is grieved with us, and I, I thought I love this. He says he is grieved with us mainly for our own sakes, for he knows what misery sin will cost us. He reads our sorrows and our sins. He grieves over us because he sees how much chastisement will incur and how much communion will be lost. Listen, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us to help us and to guide us and to help us. We see that the first time that grief is mentioned in the Bible is mentioned in Genesis 6-6. You know what the scripture. Remember when God looked out upon the men? Of the world, and he said that their imagination was what? Evil, how much? Say it, class. Continually. The next part says, And God repented that he had made man, and that it grieved him in his heart. Why did it grieve him in his heart? Because God loved them. God was, was sending his son to die for them. And he saw that they were disobedient and that they did not believe and that they turned to the worldly things instead of turning to him. And God grieved in his heart. Well, I want us to look at a few things tonight. My voice holding up. Two statements that I want us to look at and then we'll get into some other things. But I do not have three points tonight. I'm, I'm struggling with preaching, just letting you know, without three points, but we're going to try it. Two statements. Number one, I want you to look back, if you will, at verse 30. I want us to look at two things about the Holy Spirit real quick. Number one, I want you to notice the first thing about the Holy Spirit is that He's holy. 
You say, how can I grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, remember that He's the third person of the Godhead. It doesn't mean that He's, he's of any lesser sort because they're all three the same. You say, how do you explain I don't know. You just believe it. But I don't believe the Holy Spirit is, is holy like this and Jesus is holy like this and God's holy like this. I believe the Holy Spirit and God and Jesus Christ are all holy. I believe they're equal in holiness. Now let me ask you this, because the Bible says that the seed that lives within us cannot sin. That new nature that comes inside of us, that was the Holy Spirit of God. That wrestles against what? The old flesh. The war that ensues between us is because there's a Holy Spirit living in you. Let me just ask you. I'm getting myself real quick too. Go ahead and stab myself first. If Jesus Christ personally lived in your house, would you continue to live the way you are? If Jesus Christ went to work with you, would you act the way you do at work? I wouldn't. I work at a church. I work with some sinful people, I'm telling you. <clears throat> Y'all really want to know the reason Lado's leaving? No, I'm, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, we don't want him to leave, so well, I, would, I would lie to, to keep him here, but I wouldn't do that. But listen, it, it, here's the thing is that we do have the Holy Spirit with us. We do have God with us. We, we have him with us 24-7. Remember that he is holy. When we live unholy, we grieve him because it is contrary to his nature. Can you imagine that? That it is contrary to the Holy Spirit's nature because He is, say it class, holy. Say it, holy. He is holy. The Holy Spirit is holy. But also I want you to notice the next thing. Not only is He holy, but I want you to notice the last part of verse 30. It says, whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. I did a little study on that. There's two things that kept popping up as I studied that. Is that when you're sealed with the Holy Spirit... Here's what it says. It says that not only is, is the Holy Spirit living within us, but it gives Him two things. It gives Him ownership and possession of us. He's the one who sealed you until the day of redemption. If He's the one who brought you to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ through wooing you and giving you the Word of God and convicting you, and He's the one who has sealed you, and He's the one who's going to live with you until the day you see Jesus Christ, He has ownership and possession of you. Know you not that you're not your own, you're bought with a price. You you can't just say, well, I'm going to do what I want to. Be careful with that. Because with that comes a lot of chastisement. You say, can I do what I want to do? You can. But you're going to be miserable. You want me to give you another illustration of that? My kids can live how they want to. They're just not going to live in my house that way. Without a lot of chastisement. My backside said Wrangler for a long time. Because my dad's belt said Wrangler. I had Don on me for a long time, right? <laughs> My dad's name is Donald, uh, you know, Donnie. And, uh, you know, you, you think about those things. And uh, I, had, I had a few other names that were crossed there, too. Uh, my grandmother would spank us with the... Uh, we had a, um, a peach tree in our, our backyard. And those peach they will not break. They will wrap around you and hug you. Not nicely. And, boy, she could come across there... Whoosh, you know, and she whip everything 
all the way around. You know, you say, can she, can she get arrested? No, she's in heaven. Go ahead. She's all right. She's in heaven today looking down and going, yep, I spanked him. I'll probably not. But I want to tell you this, is that we're sealed until the day of redemption. You ought to rejoice that you are saved and sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. In other words, you can't get out of salvation because you didn't get yourself in there. God put you there. I heard this not too long ago. Satan's got a lot of bark, but he doesn't have teeth. He can bark all day long. I have a pit bull at my house. If you come to my house, all I got to do is say, like that, and he will bark, bark, bark. But all you got to do is this right here. And he goes, I'm okay. I'm going to go back here. Right? But what scares us about dogs is those teeth. But if they ain't got teeth, you go, what is he going to do? Listen, Satan can bark all he wants to and entice us all he wants to. But he cannot get us out of the contract that we're in with the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because we're sealed until the day of redemption. Talk about seal. I, the, the greatest thing to hear in my life is the seal coming off that homemade jelly made by Miss Linda. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A little angel sing when you open that up. My grandmother used to make sweet pickles. Mmm. Mmm. And she let them sit up there for two years at least. We found some when she left uh, that had been sitting there probably longer than I'd been alive. I wouldn't, I didn't have the faith enough to try them, but I'm pretty sure they were good, I guess. But you, they're sealed until somebody opens. And guess what? Satan cannot open. You cannot open. Why? Because you didn't do the sealing. One day when you make it to heaven, that... Hallelujah, it's going to be pot. Why? Because you're in heaven. You're, you're with the one who has sealed you. He has sealed you. He has ownership and possession of you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, say, In whom also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after ye believed, ye were sealed uh, with the Holy Spirit a promise, verse 14 says, which is the earnestness of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise and His glory. In other words, you're sealed until you see Jesus. I love what the scripture says. And when we see Jesus, we will be with Him for eternity. If He takes a left, we take a left. If He leaves the kingdom, we leave the kingdom. He rides horses, we ride horses. Can't wait to see Him one day. Listen, I want to give you... I believe verse 31 tells us how we grieve the Holy Spirit. I believe this whole chapter, the whole chapter of, actually the whole book of Ephesians tells us how to live as the new believer, in the new man. He tells us how to grow by the Spirit of God, by the grace of God. But he tells us in chapter 4 specifically things we ought to lay aside and things we ought to put on. He tells us that in verse in chapter 5, he says, Let us be therefore followers of God as dear children. Walk in love. He tells how to live the Christian life. But I want us to look at verse 31. And he lists a few things here. And we're just going to look at these six things. And we'll see how we can grieve the Holy Spirit. And then I'll give you verse 32, which is the remedy uh, to verse uh, 31. Let all bitterness. I looked all these words up, by the way. Because I have a dictionary. And they're smarter than I am. Well, just about anybody is. I can read kids' books and they're smarter. But anyway, by the way, it is how you study the Bible is important. 
in understanding what words mean. I, I think it's good to have a dictionary handy. I believe it's good to understand the Greek and Hebrew and those things and, and, and to, to get that full effect of, of that definition, how it's used in other places of the Bible. The Bible interprets itself. By the way, bitterness is not just found here. It's found all through the Bible. The word bitter is found in bitterness that we can have in our life. Well, what is it, you say? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's resentful spirit that refuses reconciliation. The resentful spirit that refuses reconciliation. I can illustrate bitterness if you want me to. I ain't going to forgive them. Mind your kids. He has my ball. That's my ball. Well, he gave it back. I don't want it now. That just sounds like kids, doesn't it? But, but here's what happens is that when, when we allow things to enter into our life and we're not willing to reconcile it or repent of it, guess what happens? It lays in there and it steams and it stews and it stinks until it becomes bitterness. And when bitterness comes out, it is a poison that can poison a church, that can poison a family, that can poison a life. It is a a bitter root. I love this. Uh, I don't know where I got this from, but it says, A bitter root, so so it produces a bitter fruit. A bitter root produces a bitter fruit. You say, prove that. You ever meet people that are bitter? Look at their kids. Be careful, but but let, let go of that bitterness in your life. Listen, I've met people before that have come to churches that I pastored. And they say, well, I joined your church, but we're still upset about the last pastor. Then I sing the song. Let it go. Let it go. That's all I know. You've got to let it go. Why? Because it's going to stew in your life. Listen, I'm not that last pastor. I, we ha- I had somebody tell me one time, she said, she said I'm never going to trust you because I've never trusted a pastor in my life. Okay, <laughs> you know, trust the Lord. Don't trust me, trust the Lord. I'll, I'll follow the Lord, you follow the Lord, and we'll just trust Him together, and we're heading in the same direction. But be careful with that root of bitterness. It is poisons to others who look at us for direction. Why do people not want to come to church? Because of so much bitterness that is around. It grieves the Holy Spirit when we have that bitterness in our life. Be careful, just let it go and let God have it. I promise you, you can leave bitterness at the, at the altar. You say, have you ever been bitter, Wiggins? Um, yeah. You know why? Because I was not godly enough to let go of things in my life. You say, have you ever been hurt before? I'm breathing. I've been hurt. Right? There's, there's a thousand songs going through my head right now. Uh, you ever do that? You ever say something and songs just start popping in your head? And uh, I'm telling you, is that if we don't let God have our bitterness, it will destroy us and to destroy our families and it will destroy a church. People that harbor that bitterness in them, listen, just let it go. It's too much for you to bear. Listen, people are going to do you wrong. People are going to do you wrong. People are going to do you wrong. But I know a God in heaven who will never do you wrong. Your job is to forgive them and to serve God. Don't grieve that Holy Spirit in you. Number two, he tells us wrath. He says that let all bitterness and wrath. What is that? That is a a passion, an anger, a heat. 
an anger forthwith, boiling up and soon subsided again and again. Here it is, short answer, is that it is anger that is left to itself. You know what happens when you get angry? And anger is the next one, by the way. When you get angry and you don't let it go, it becomes wrath. <clears throat> we must be careful in our lives that we don't, we don't have wrath in our lives. Because it's not our job to take out vengeance upon people. It's God's, let Him have it. Now, listen, I've seen some crazy things in churches. I'm just being honest with you. I took a church where a man ran off with, he started, the pastor started dating the girl in church. He was married, had two kids. Uh, he was dating a 16-year-old girl in their Christian school. While he was pastor in the church. Kicked his wife out of the house. She moved into a camper behind the church. I'm telling you, the strangest thing. The girl used to ride in his lap on the tractor while cutting grass. He moved her a desk into his office. 18. They finally left, and they're married now. And they got kids of their own, and it, it, it's, he went back, pastored another church for a little while. I'm telling you, I just scratched my head, and I can't even tell you the rest of the story because of eyes <laughs> they're watching. I'll be shot. But I'm telling you, I, I, I walked into this situation going, you know what we had to to do to help that church? We had to let them get over the bitterness and the wrath. You know why? Because they were ready to go get torches and pitchforks. And sickles. Anybody remember what the old sickle? I mean, they were ready to take their shotguns. And uh, we had a man, my wife can testify to this. The only reason they, some of them were mad because he ran off with some money uh, too. And I won't say anything else about that. But I will say we had our first business meeting and I was ready to go. We're, we're getting back on. We had to rename the church. All this stuff, new tax number. And, and I remember a man standing up in the back. And I was like, anybody have anything? He's like, yeah. And he called me president. Mr. President. They acted like it was a corporation. I just chuckled at it because uh, they, they're like, Robert's Rules of Order. I'm like, we don't have to do that here. Mr. President, or Mr. Chairman, he called me Mr. Chairman, sorry. Mr. Chairman, I have one thing. He took our money, and they're like, yeah! I'm like, Lord, have mercy. What did I do? This is Brother Weedo's fault, by the way. He put me there. And I'm still, I let him go. I let that go, though. I let it go. <laughs> and uh, I'm telling you, it took three and a half years of staying there at that church and loving those people and showing them that they got to forgive. And it was such a joy in my life when people came down to the altar and said, Preacher, I'll let it go. And then to see what God started doing in that church. Souls being saved and people's families coming to know Jesus Christ as their Savior because people were letting go of this anger and this bitterness that they had in their life and realizing that they, yeah, you can go down to the next town where that preacher is today or whatever you want to call him. Uh, and you can hang him up and do what you want to. But listen, that's God's job. God will chastise him. Let him handle him. That money was not yours that you gave. It was God's. And listen, I would much rather steal from Brother Feasler than to steal from God. It'd be rough stealing from this man, but it is a lot worse than stealing from God. And I, I, I'm telling you, they let that anger go. And I know the next thing is anger and, and, and let that wrath go because wrath always starts with anger. I give you the next thing. Anger, you know what that means. It just means a, a temper of character, a movement of agitation, of a soul impulse. We move upon that violent impulse. I know nothing about that. I've never had anger a day in my life whenever I was asleep. 
My wife can tell you that was my besetting sin when we got married was anger. It's because I was raised in that style. Well, it's not that. It's just we're born with an angry dispensation, dispensation in our lives sometimes. And now that's why I laugh at everything. People think, man, he sure does cut up a lot. Well, it's either that or get mad. And I'd just rather just laugh at it. And there's people really that get mad at me because I'm laughing at something. I'm like, well, I'm just trying to deal with this stuff myself. And then we're angry at each other because I'm laughing and they're mad that I'm laughing. You know, like, Can we just go down to the altar and get this right? Listen, when somebody cuts you off, just praise the Lord. Bless them. Bless them, Lord. The next thing is clamor. Look at what he says here. We're going to quench the spirit of this clamor. I, I, I was really had to do a lot of studying on this one. And, and basically, this means a, uh, a crying out, an outcry. And here's what, here's what else here's what, uh, uh, Schofield said, is that a loud and confused noise... Then he goes on to say this, especially that of people shouting vehemently. You know what that took me to? It took me to when Christ was before Pilate. And the Bible says that they cried, crucify him. That word is used, meaning clamor, meaning that they cry out aloud. In other words, they're causing a disturbance. Listen, here's what happens in our life is that if we're not careful, we can not spend time with the Lord and spend time crying over things we shouldn't be crying about. That we can do nothing about or, or we can confuse the audience about our, how we're behaving and, and, and our, our behavior toward others. We must be careful. We must not quench the Spirit. Now I'll give you the last two things that will be done tonight. Notice the, the fifth thing. He says, evil speaking. Lord knows we're all guilty of this. I'm raising my hand. You say, I'm not. I just don't like the guy. He's a jerk. Let me read you the definition. Slander. Speech injurious to another's good name. Listen, the Holy Spirit is grieved when we speak evil of others. Especially of the household of God. We must be careful. Listen, you spend time with me long enough, you'll find all my faults. My best friends are the ones who really don't know me. <laughs> Sometimes, right? You get to know me like, oh, I didn't know that about him. <laughs> he actually doesn't wear a suit all the time. Huh. I'm not sure if I can hang out with this guy. He actually knows how to have a good time without <laughs> taking it too far. Because why? Because we're all human, right? We all have, I have my hiccups just like everybody else does, trust me. And one thing that, that we can all struggle with is making sure that we tear somebody else down to make us look better. And Lord knows we're all guilty of that, and I'm raising my hand tonight. There are people that get on my nerves and your nerves, and we can go blah, 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 and then the next thing I know, I'm like, you know what? I'm the same way. I must be careful. I must build my brothers up. Pastor says this all the time, that a Christian ought to be another Christian's advocate. And that's what we ought to be. We ought to be an advocate for another Christian. And then he says the last thing there, and I'll give this to you. He says, put away from you with all malice. That malice just simply means ill will, desire to injure, evil, or trouble one. You see, we ought to want to do good one to another. He gives us the remedy in verse 32. I'm going to give this to you real quick. And, and, and basically it boils down to one word. He says, And be you kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. 
even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And then we used to end that verse with do do doodly do. Any other parents you know that song that way? And I was thinking this today. I was thinking, you know what verse 32 tells us to do? Be selfless. Verse 31 tells us, you be selfish and you quench the Holy Spirit of God. He says how to remedy that is, verse 32 says, is that we must be selfless. That, that be like Christ was. Christ was not about Himself. He was willing to go to the cross. Why? Because He was selfless. He was willing to endure the beatings and the mockery and the birth and all these things that He went through. Why? Because He was selfless. And as Christians, we ought to be the picture and the epitome of selflessness. And when we are, we don't quench the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit wants us to live in unity. Not only with God, but with one another. When did revival take place in the Bible? When they were all in one accord in unity. And tonight I just want to say, is there something in your life that grieves the Holy Spirit? Listen, you say, I don't know what to do. I do. Just ask for forgiveness for it. And He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that He'll put us back in fellowship with the Lord. And then in the morning you wake up and you, you ask for forgiveness again. And you ask the Lord to fill you with the Holy Spirit and that, let Him direct your life. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy path. That's what He's going to do. But too many times we, we grieve Him. We, we, we quench the Spirit of God from working in our life. Why? Because we get selfish. My worst sin and your worst sin is the same. It's all called selfishness. You know why? You, if, you're, if you love one another like you're supposed to, you're not going to be bitter at them. It's hard for me to be bitter at Brother Schuler if I'm praying for him and loving him like I should. Right? It's, it's going to be hard for me to have malice toward him, ill will. In other words, well, I hope he just falls. Lord, help us with that. I'm telling you, we, we say this kind of jokingly, but my aunt would tell you today, I shouldn't even tell this story, but I think it's, it's there, man. It, it may be a little, little bad, but it's going to come out good, I hope. I have an aunt that had a wooden leg when I was growing up. And all of us family used to go over there and play on my aunt's wooden leg. You, you know, it's just, it's kind of simple, but she, she, she did it. Uh, so she would make fun of her own self. You know, she always said, I got one foot in the grave. And take her wooden leg off and say, see? You know, and we thought it was hilarious. Well, my aunt, I have another aunt. This is my, that was my, my grandmother's uh, sister. And then my mom's sister always used to make fun of her. And she was telling me one day, she, she has bad hip. She's had a bad hip almost all her life. She says, you know why I have this? Because I made fun of our aunt for so many years. She said, be careful what you, who you pick on. And I'm thinking, every time my hip hurts, I'm going, Lord, Lord I, I didn't make, she did it. You know, we just laugh with her. But listen, we ought to desire for others what we desire for our life. Even if they do us wrong, we ought to pray this. And this is hard to do. Let's just use an example. Let's say, Brother Sam does something to me. You know, whatever. I should not go, well, Lord, pay him back. That should not be my prayer. My prayer should be, Lord, would you bring him to repentance and back in fellowship with yourself and with me? 
That should be our prayer. You know why? Because if I hurt Brother Sam, I want Brother Sam to pray the same thing for me. God help us if we say, well, I just hope they just walk right off the top of a building. You can only say that to Satan. He's the only one you can wish ill will to because we know why, how it's going to end, right? But listen, to a brother and sister in Christ, we ought to have goodwill. I believe that's why Jesus Christ came, that we would have goodwill one to another. Listen, let's be careful what we wish for. Let's stand tonight, heads bowed, eyes closed. We'll have just a moment of invitation. If you need to come tonight, maybe there's some things that all of us, I just, I tell you, we all deal with these things, and let's just pray that we're not grieving the Holy Spirit. Father, we love you. Thank you for tonight. And Lord, I know I certainly fall short, God, of things in my life. And Lord, I know I've asked for forgiveness. And Lord, help us, God, to be aware when that bitterness comes and when that anger and that wrath and malice comes in our life and the clamor that comes. And Lord, tries to sneak in our life and to disrupt our fellowship with you and with our fellow brothers and sisters. Lord, help us to be the example that people would see and that they would know that we're your disciple. God, tonight I pray if there's anything that's hindering us from you working in our life that we just lay it at the altar and let it go tonight. God, I sure love you. I ask that you help us now in this time of invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. On behalf of our church and staff, thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons and more information about our church, please visit hbchazlett.org.